This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Running Together. I have noticed a bit of a trend recently in my own faltering running training. Whenever I go out with my daughter, son or wife, the run, or more accurately jog, seems to go well. Effortlessly, really, with lots of chatting about all manner of topics. When I run alone, however... I seem to be concentrating on my cadence or heart rate or foot strike and it feels uncomfortable, difficult and often unrewarding. My watch will reinforce this by telling me that my efforts were unproductive. For some lucky people, running is easy. They seem designed to run speedy without any difficulty, gliding smoothly along with ease and grace. For the rest of us, running needs work. My guest today does not believe she is a runner, yet she demonstrates to us all that if we have a powerful why, then we can perform something special and inspiring to the many who doubt their ability in the running realm. Jo Hikaroa, welcome to Running Together. Thank you. Jo, what was your first experience of running? Can you remember it being positive, negative, or neutral? I think my first experience with running would have been primary school, high school, doing the cross country. Pretty negative to say the least. Didn't enjoy it. Didn't ever do very well. I think my only goal was not to be last. It just wasn't a thing. I had a joke that I always said I would run when I could see someone do it that looked like they were enjoying it because when you see runners, they never look like they're having fun. And um, so I didn't do it. They often don't smile, do they? No, nobody's running along having a good time. No. So that probably mirrors my experience as well when it comes to cross country. There's a lot of people looking painful or walking, you know, after sprinting maybe the first 100 metres or something like that, the school cross country. And your son, Knox, would be doing that as well, yep. wouldn't he? He would be... Yeah, so does he seem to enjoy it? I think he enjoys he enjoys sport more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea of just running it isn't super exciting for him. Yeah. No. Um, he's got the energy for it, but he's a bit like me in that running for no reason seems a bit pointless. Like mm-hmm. if he's running in a football match, there's a point to that. Exactly. Um, but then just going for a jog doesn't really appeal to him very much, no. Yeah, I suppose if he's going by himself, mm. then especially some boring round and round circles yeah. kind of thing, I can imagine yeah. him that I mean, being part pretty... of sports day, he'll love it, like athletics day, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll win his heats and things like that. Like he's good at it, Yeah, but... That's from his dad's side, I think. (laughs) Yeah, he wants to come running with me. He would enjoy it. But um, the reality is that when we do run together, he's only 10. And it's not a lot of fun for him. No. He's a bit bored. How would you make it a little bit more fun, do you think? So for me, I make it more fun because I listen to books while I'm running. Oh, cool. So that's super Mm -hmm. fun for me. I like that. For him, I probably would start a bit slower. 
like he just joined me on one of my runs mm-hmm. once, but I'd probably get him to start a, a running program or something to, yeah. to have something to guide him to do it better. Mm-hmm. Would probably what I'd make it fun. Maybe have some goals to work towards. Yeah, yeah. And as you said, you know, if he's playing, for example, football, mm. then if he's going, because they often sort of have to do a bit of a warm up by mm. going around the outside of the field, for example. Yeah then that would be an opportunity for him to, say, catch up with his mates because maybe he yeah. hasn't seen them for, you know, a few days, for yeah. example. So there's an opportunity to have a bit of a chat while he's it's sort of It's part jogging. of something rather yeah. than just being going for a run. It's like part of being with people doing like a social and that's exper- what he loves. experience, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I notice when it comes to the cross-country races at school is you have the people who are – probably what those those talented few sort of mm-hmm. thing that find it a really easy experience and they want to win probably as well. Yeah. And the rest of the people are like struggling either not to get last or yeah. just for just to survive it. Yeah. And they probably haven't done much training no. either. It's probably quite a painful experience. I guess them. I don't remember being taught how to run either. Yeah. Like you just did the long distance runs without being taught this is how you would do it. Mm. And long distance for a kid it's still like yeah. One or two K, but mm-hmm. you don't just naturally run two K without stopping. And no. so then immediately I would feel like I was no good at this mm. because I couldn't do that. But actually I just never no one had done any running tutoring with us or teaching us how to do it at school. So Yeah, it's like being told, Okay, go and calculate this on the perimeter of a geometric yeah. shape when you haven't done any Go and cook me dinner when you've never cooked anything before. Like, you get taught how to do these things and you learn how to yeah. do it. But we just kind of, you just did it. I guess of course we weren't very good at it. Well, that's right. But I guess there's an assumption everyone can run. Yeah. Of course you can. Yeah. But we're not talking about 50 metres here. No. 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 And that there's more to running than just mm. being able to do it. And I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. So for a person who didn't run... How did you start and make that progress? Because from that experience when you were uh, well, in your teens yeah. and as a child, it was a case of, well, look, I don't really like this. Yeah. I feel as I'm particularly good at it and therefore I won't do it. So from there to when you started running, what started the running? I can't remember who it was that got me into running, but somebody I knew, possibly my sister, did the Couch to 5K program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was my sister and her now wife started doing Couch to 5K when we were in our mid-20s, I guess. Yeah. And it was really achievable for them. It was really doable. And I thought, actually, maybe I should give it a go. So I tried it and it was great. Like it was, it was achievable. It was something I could mm-hmm. actually do. Like I could follow each week through it and keep getting better. And then suddenly I was running 20 minutes without stopping and I didn't know how that had happened because five weeks ago I couldn't run 90 seconds. Like it had just really followed beautifully to be able to do it. But there's so many more aspects to running than just being able to do it. So that part took me quite a bit more time to work it out, probably another 10 years before I knew how to actually make running enjoyable, not just Mm. to do it. The technology as well as yes, far as you know yes. the e-books and stuff like yep. that, and, and these days you can even put it on the earpods, and for mm. example, and just have a have your watch, yes. do it all off your watch yep. potentially. And there's all these statistics about how you're doing and how you're improving, and that interests me. For example, I remember watching cricket with my dad when I was younger, and it was a bit boring, 
but it was still cricket. But then when I watch it more recently and they have all the stats on the screen and they say this is where the shots are going and this is what they need to get, yeah. and I find that information around it more interesting and I find mm-hmm. that with my running too is that I really like to be able to go, okay, I did it faster, I did further, I did this, that and the next thing. Mm-hmm. I'm improving myself and I can see it not just how do I feel, do I feel good or, or not, yeah. but how did I improve from a couple of years ago, well, I'm doing way better because like, I can see all my stats from the apps that I use. When I'm running, I'm probably using at least three different apps on my phone. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so I use the Nike Plus app to um, mm-hmm. record it, and yeah. that tells me all my stats. I use the Catch 5K app to tell me when to run and when to walk, mm-hmm. and then I'll use probably Audible, whatever I'm listening to, or music or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I've got lots of stuff going on, but I find it really interesting, <laughs> and it works for me, and that might be the geek in me, but it makes interesting running more interesting. Fantastic. And that's really the unique thing about it, isn't it? Is that what might work for you may not work for somebody else, but it's absolutely, it's finding. And that can take months, years, as you said. I found in more recent years is when I've switched to listening to books or podcasts. I listened to music for a long time because I love music and I love listening to it. And I'd read about how if you listen to faster music, it makes you run faster because you run to the beat kind of Mm -hmm. thing. I was like, that's great. But then after my husband got sick, I just was finding I was really stuck. I'd go down rabbit holes. I'd be running and like just get really anxious and stressed. And my mind would go all sorts of places and the music wasn't distracting me enough. Mm. So then I was like, what if I try this to a book? So then I, because I love books, that's like my Mm. thing. And so I started listening to books and found it was great. And so I listened to, like I remember listening to a book and like gasping as things were happening. I was, it was a guy who spent, the, he was the first guy to spend a year in space. And then I've Scott Kelly, yeah. amazing, very good book. It's called mm-hmm. Endurance. And he was talking about when he got diagnosed with cancer and I was like, mm. oh, what's going on? But running, yeah. but also like really invested in the book. Or other mm-hmm. times I've been laughing because of what's happening and mm-hmm. It's great. I really enjoy it. And so I get to go for a run for half an hour, but I also get to listen to a book for half an hour, and it's mm. two of my pleasures at the same time. It's great. Brilliant. And I hear a few of the listeners to this podcast mm. actually listen to the podcast <laughs> while they're running. It's a good so idea. Having a yeah. bit of a jog. And yeah. yeah. Obviously not doing any sort of speed session or anything no. like that, but just having a bit of a jog in, yeah. the, in the park or maybe out in the hills and so on. So and it meant that at the end of the run, physically I felt really good, but also mentally I felt good. Yeah. I wasn't like – oh, I remember one time I was like, Joe, you have to stop this because I was like – running along thinking about something stupid I'd said when I was 21 or something. And I was like, Joe, this is not a problem. Nobody even yeah, remembers that. Exactly. You don't need to be down this rabbit hole. Mm. This is not helping you. So getting something different to listen to and distract myself, I guess, has definitely helped with my running experience to make it more enjoyable. Yeah. So with that couch to 5K, I'm just curious about that, as far as, the, if you like, the help and support you got, because while... People can do this alone, and they do. It's usually so much better if you've got someone there along the way with you, maybe to join you with some of the runs and maybe to give you some advice and guidance and support. I imagine that it would be great, but my life is pretty hectic, and I've never been able to be reliable in, like, we're going to meet at 9 o'clock this morning and go for a run. That's never been what I could do, particularly with kids and and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I just wasn't a reliable person to be able to go, yes, I'll be there because yeah. I'm ready, but the people I care for mm-hmm. might not. So being able to do it myself was great. And I, by using the app, it just tells me when to run. It has a wee beep. It says run, walk, run, walk. So I don't yeah. have to be looking at my watch and going, oh, I've been running for a minute. I just know it'll go beep and I walk and it goes beep and I know to run and it does it for me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And sometimes there's ones where it cheers you on and goes, you're doing well, you're doing great, keep going, you're halfway, you've got a minute to go, like that kind of stuff too. So it's not it's not super isolated, it's just It's almost as if you have mm, someone with you yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And it's that technology help yeah. that I think someone 20 years ago yeah. wouldn't have. Yeah. So can you please tell me about the Tahu Hikaroa Foundation? Okay, so this starts um, about six and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. My husband, Tahu, um, was diagnosed with glioblastoma multiform, which is the most aggressive brain cancer you can get, mm-hmm. call it GBM. I was eight weeks pregnant with our second child, and they said if you don't have any treatment, you will be dead in about three months. Oh and goodness. he, at the time, didn't have any symptoms. He mm. was talking to me just like you are. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very... Um, surreal to be told you're mm. probably gonna you are going to die and it could be very very soon before you even meet this baby like oh it was horrific yeah so yes just a horrific time for us and some friends and family of Tahu and myself set up a foundation to support us the idea was to help me and the boys in the future to you know get the boys some education and things like that if they yeah. needed it but it progressed because Tahu had treatment and he was doing really well for a while. And mm. so we were like, well, could we actually use this foundation to help other people like us? So it was changed to being a charity where we provide practical support for people who have brain tumours. Yeah. And that's brain tumours that are cancerous or non, because we recognise that uh, a non-cancerous brain tumour is still life-changing. This isn't yeah. like something that just goes away. It will have symptoms and treatment and potentially life-changing effects. So ours, um, our charity is not specific to cancerous brain tumours. And when we say practical support, it started off that we would organise a gardener or a cleaner for a few weeks or some yeah. meals or whatever your need was. But then we found that it was just a bit tough on the person to be organising that. So what we do now is give a Prezi card with a certain amount of money on it and suggest that they, or they can do whatever they want with it. I'm absolutely happy. This is about support. But we also say, you could go and grab one and use the voucher or the card and get a gardener for yourself or a cleaner for a few weeks or whatever your practical need is. Because we can do all the things, but when you go into a crisis, particularly a brain tumour-related crisis, what you need is the practical stuff done for you. Yeah. Um, we had Tahu's football team turned up and did a working bee for us and they did the garden and they cleaned out the chicken run and they cleaned the car and, and did all oh, these brilliant. things that I was very capable of doing but just mm. didn't have any headspace for. So yeah. that's what our charity is about, helping people with in a brain very, tumor diagnosis. In a very practical yes, way. that practical side yeah. of things. Well done, you. And when it came to the help that you're providing, mm-hmm. what was the feedback from that? Because I think for, perhaps for some people, they, probably, they may not have even realised that they needed the help yeah. until they received the help. 
it is just that. It's that you don't think you need the help because you're able to do the things. I can yeah. clean my own car, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you now, it was incredible that somebody cleaned my car for me. Yeah. Like it just is such a little thing, but when you're dealing with literally life or death, like mm. this is huge, or in our case, life and death, because I was growing the baby and my husband was diagnosed with terminal cancer, yeah. you know, like it's pretty huge mm. to have someone come in and take things off my to-do list uh, it was just amazing. Like small yeah. but meaningful differences yes. to your life. And to life. be able to do that for other people is really lovely. And it also is just a show of support for them to let them know they're not alone because this is incredibly isolating because lots of us don't know other people that have it. That's right. And uh, so just to have someone come along and go, I get it. I know what you're going through and I'm here to help in any way. And that, that is what we also do. Like I'll often yeah. have conversations with the person or the carer. I tend to lean towards the carer, whoever that is, mm-hmm. um, the wife or the parent or the husband, helping them kind of saying, I can, I know what you're going through and I yeah. know this is what you can probably expect. Mm-hmm. And to have someone do that. Man, if someone had done that for me, I had a couple of people contact me and I'm still friends with them now and that's amazing. Yeah. It was just so huge to not feel so alone, and that's exactly. what we want to do. So tell me about the Takahata Akaroa Road Relay last year, and why did you decide to organise a team for it? Okay, so it just looked really cool, to be honest. You're running through Banks Peninsula, really achievable distances because we were a team of six. Like, this is going to be beautiful. It's going to be great. And Tahu loved running. He was very good at it, and it seemed like a – a reasonable challenge that we could fundraise with. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't want to be like, just give us money for the charity. I wanted to be able to do something endurance-wise, I guess. And it's not hugely endurance because it's it was 10 or 12K each or something. But it required training beforehand. It required effort on our part on the day organisation and it was going to be a beautiful run. So we said, let's do it. We wanted to do something big for our fundraiser and that was what mm-hmm. we picked. Yeah. And how did it go? It was great. I mean, it got moved. It was moved to Bottle Lake, which was a little disappointing because I was looking forward to running in Banks Peninsula. Mm. But at the same time, it was great because of the location. It meant that as a team, we all got to hang out together while the person was running. Whereas because Takehetu Akaroa is in a straight line and you can't just all be together while the person's running but we had like a tent set up and we hung out and we had food and we laughed and we'd go and cheer them on and go back again and it was brilliant it was great we really enjoyed it you got all that support yeah of as you said you know I was there last year as well at Mm. uh, at Bottle Lake and the opportunity for that because you could actually connect with the other teams as well and you get that sort of big sort of community vibe. And all the time while you're running, there's people all around cheering you on, especially when you're really slow like me. (laughs) You can do it. I was like, shut up. I know I can. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was good. It was was great. We really enjoyed it. I've actually just forgotten how much we raised, but it was a few thousand dollars. It was amazing. Um, I think it was 3,000. I think it must have been just over three because we aimed at about $500 each. Mm -hmm. And that was enough to support like 12 families or something. Like if we have what we want to do, that's a lot of families that we can go mm-hmm. and support. So Absolutely. it was well worth it. It's going to make great. a big difference, yeah. as you said. Yeah. As you mentioned, Tahu was very good at running. Mm-hmm. He was also a top footballer. Mm-hmm. So obviously he would have done 
quite a lot of running mm-hmm. as part of that training. So can you please share some of what you remember about Tahu's experiences of running? I have a couple of great stories about this. So one is in the November, he was diagnosed in at the end of February 2017. In the November before that, I had to go to Aussie for a week for some work stuff. And he, on the Saturday morning, he went out for a run. And it wasn't unusual for him to go for a 10K run. That was all good. Mm. He'd just go out for a run. And he wasn't coming home. He didn't come home for ages. And I was like, what's going on? I looked up his his app and I could see he was just running. I was like, what is going just on? Running. <laughs> so when he got home, it was like a good, I don't know, probably a couple of hours I don't know how long. I was like, what happened with your run? And he was like, oh, and just knew I couldn't run during the week, so I did them all on one go. And he'd oh just goodness. run like a half marathon. He'd done like 20 or 20-something K just on a random Saturday morning because he could. Oh, wow. And I was like, that's, that's crazy. And then to think that he actually had terminal brain cancer at that point. But he was just so fit and healthy. Mm. He could just, I mean, not many of us could just go and run a half marathon on a Saturday morning. Well, no. and I'm talking like fast, like five mm-hmm. minute K's and that. Like he's mm-hmm. like amazing, and he just gone and done that. So that was that was one of the funniest stories. And then <sighs> after he had had his first round of treatment, it was like treatment for like eleven months or something. We had the baby, everything was good. He had it's called a NED scan, where there's no evidence of disease. So that means that he has the MRI and they can't see the brain tumors in his brain. So that's amazing. It means the ter- the cancer is still there. You just can't see it. Okay. But it means that for now you're good. So what we mm. did is we went and travelled for six months. We went, we spent about a month up north and uh, three or four weeks in Aussie and then we took three and a half months. I went to Rarotonga as well, took our families. It was great. And then we spent three and a half months over in Europe and North America. Oh, fantastic. Um, which was amazing. It was so cool mm. because a little bit of backstory to that is that one of the many griefs that hit me when Tahu was diagnosed was that he wasn't going to get to travel. He wasn't going to get mm. to do the things that we had planned to do. What we wanted to do was when the kids were in primary school, take them out for a year, by bus, travel through Europe, that kind of stuff. Wow. And I was like, he's not going to get to go to Greece. He's not going to get mm. to do all that stuff. And then it turned out that we could. We had his life insurance, and so we went and travelled and went to all the places he wanted to go. He listed all the things he wanted, and we did them. And then he ran in every country. I stopped by about Italy because it got too hot for me. But <laughs> he ran in, I think, every country we went to. And we went to 19 countries or something. And he loved it. Like one morning we'd just arrived in Rome. And the next morning he went for a run and he came back from his run. He's like, I saw the Colosseum. And oh, there was a guy brilliant. mowing his lawn, but I ran. And <laughs> yeah. like I saw the Colosseum. Like It was amazing. I loved that, that he went running all over the world, everywhere we went. Norway. I don't know if he went in Turkey. But he just everywhere. We went to all mm. these random countries and he ran everywhere because he just loved it. It was good for him and he could. It's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. As you said, when you can, do it. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Those opportunities. Yeah. And it was fantastic that you got the opportunity to to go and mm. do those things together as a family yeah. it was um, amazing. overseas. So what has research discovered in how to help prevent or manage brain cancers? Are there certain activities or checks that you can do to help lower the risk, for example? Uh, The answer is no. There's nothing. There has been very little progress. I think in about 35 years, the treatment for glioblastoma anyway hasn't changed. There's really nothing, which is pretty horrific. Mm. But what I can say is trust your body. If you think there's something wrong, if you've got a feeling that something's not quite Mm. right, trust that instinct. 
and get checked and stay as healthy as you can because sometimes there are things happening inside your body that you don't know about. But if you are healthy and fit, so Tahu survived three and a half years, whereas something like 8 or 90% of people who take treatment for GBM will be dead within a year. So he had a lot longer than most people. Uh, he was younger. There was a whole lot of factors, but he was younger yeah. and he was very fit and healthy. Mm-hmm. And so you might be like, oh, it doesn't, I don't need to be very fit. But actually, if something happens, and actually that's one of the things I say mm-hmm. to the partners or the carers is once you get a diagnosis, start going to the gym, get fit, because when the end comes, you're going to need to be strong physically yeah. strong to lift them and help them and support them mm-hmm. and if I'd had three and a half years of working out I might have had it not it might have been easier I don't know but yeah. looking after yourself and your health generally is the best thing you can do I think yeah so when it comes to running you mentioned about that as far as mental health is mm-hmm. concerned how did you make it become a habit because uh, I hear of some people they call habit stacking and mm. what they do is they say, I'm not really keen on going out running in the morning, but I want to hear the next chapter of that book. Yeah, And this is my opportunity. If I go out, I I can hear the next chapter of that book. So, Um, The reality for me is that it's not a habit that I would love to go for a run every morning at 6am, but I am now a widow with two little boys. And in the three and a half years prior to that, him dying, I was – the carer for him and two little boys. So oh. I have not been able to leave the house as I would like to because mm-hmm. you can't leave the kids. Exactly. It's frowned upon these days. So I would love to say I get up every morning and I go for a run and it's great. That would be my ideal. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that I can't do that. And I think that that's actually a good thing to talk about because lots of people find life really busy. Yeah. So I try and fit it when I can. I haven't been running in quite a while, but I've tried walking instead. Okay, I'll take the dog for a walk. That'll be fine. But the last couple of weeks, I've realized that that's not fine. I'm not sufficient with just going for a walk. It's not good for my physical health or my mental health. It's not enough. So I have started the Couch to 5K again. Started at the beginning again because that's what I'm doing. But muscle memory means that it is going to go a bit faster than the eight weeks it usually does. And then I'll be running again. By mid-September, I'll be all good again and I just have to fit it around so I have a treadmill at home so if the boys are home I will try and do it when they are least needing me Um, (laughs) so I have to make sure that they're all fed and they're happy and they've got Mm -hmm. something to do for 20 minutes or whatever which just means it's really difficult I can't fit it in I'd love it to be a habit and part Mm. of my routine but my routine at this point in my life relies on two little men who are very difficult (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're a lot of work. <laughs> I love them. But, you know, like they're five and ten. So I just run when I can. Yeah. But you're absolutely right when it comes to, obviously, the shows about running together. Yeah. But we mean, obviously, by that is not just running with another person, but running because of the help and support of another person. You were yes. talking about having a partner yeah. who can look after young children while I go for a run yeah. sort of things. But if that's not an option. It's very hard. So what's next for the Tahu Hikaroa Foundation and for yourself, Joe? You've mentioned it, obviously, about as far as getting back into the running. Yeah, I want to get back into running. I enjoy it. It's really good for my mental health and it's good for my physical health and I need to be able to run around after the children. (laughs) So there's lots of reasons there. So running, definitely. 
I turned 40 at the end of the year. A very short story is that my 20s weren't great. You don't know what you're doing in 20s. My 30s were horrific. My husband died. So let's write that off. But my 40s, I've decided are going to be great. Absolutely. And I realised I can't just sit back and let them be great. I've got to make them great. So I've set myself, I'm making a list of 40 things I'm going to do in my 40s. And a number of those things include running goals. And I'm excited about that. Like, these are some of the things I'm going to do in my 40s. And in in the next 10 years, I'm going to be able to do, I'm going to run a half marathon. I want to run 10K without stopping. And I want to run 10K in 60 minutes. So there's a, a variety of levels there of things that I want to achieve and I'm excited about those things. For the foundation, we are, I think we're just going to continue. It's hard because we all have our own lives and our own levels of grief when it comes to things relating to Tahu, which makes it difficult. So we're going to change up some stuff and just keep keep doing it. Keep supporting people, even if it's not loud and successful like we would love it to be. I'd love everyone in the world to know about Tahu. Mm. He was amazing. But yeah, we're just going to keep doing it. Finally, a motivational person that inspires you to be better. My first thought is I've got a a really amazing group of friends. Most of them don't even know each other, but I have a bunch of friends that I just love and that really inspire me in all different ways and encourage me, especially with my exercise and running and stuff like that. Mm. But I just started following a girl on Instagram, which I can't remember her name, but she's a plus-size girl who runs, and I love that. I love that she's not like, Oh, when I'm skinny, when I look like a runner, I'll talk about it. She runs half marathons. She's amazing. And I was like, I love this. Like, what inspires me is normal people. Yeah. People that me. We all have reasons why we aren't going to be an elite runner. Mm -hmm. There are elite runners. But I've realized I'm not going to be one of them. But that I can still be a runner. And now. Joe, it's been a pleasure to hear about your running journey. Thanks so much again, Joe. That's right. Thank you. 